My brothers and sisters in the Lord, certainly over the past week we have seen many heroic rescues taking place in southeast Texas and southwestern Louisiana with the onset of Hurricane Tropical Storm Harvey. It reminds me of a true story about a gentleman by the name of Ray Blankenship. One day, Ray Blankenship was in his kitchen, and there was a large storm that had passed through the area that caused a lot of flooding. And right outside his kitchen window was a very large drainage ditch. And the water was moving very fastly as that drainage ditch moved eventually under a road and then into a large culvert where it drained out. And as he was there that morning preparing breakfast and he looked out the window, he saw a little girl in the drainage ditch heading down with the rushing of the water, some kind of way she happened to fall in. And so without thinking, he ran outside in order to save this little girl because if he, she, he knew that if she got to the end where the road was and went into the culvert, she certainly would perish. And so he jumped in to this large drainage ditch, the water moving very, very fastly. And he was able to catch or hold on to her forearm. And here they were both going down the drainage ditch, heading for the culvert, until finally about three or four feet before hitting where the road began and the culvert would start to enter, he found a large rock sort of protruding outside of the drainage ditch and he held on to the rock. And so there he was holding on to the rock with one hand, holding on to the little girl's forearm with the other, thinking that if he could only hold on for a little while longer, there would be individuals that would come to save them. Well, my brothers and sisters, by the time the first responders arrived, the fire department and the police, Ray Blankenship not only held on to that little girl, but he was able to actually pull her out of the water onto the land to safety. Now, brothers and sisters, this is not a little ditch like we would think of a ditch. We would call this ditch a canal, a very large body of water. And so in 1989, Ray Blankenship was given a silver medal of honor by the Coast Guard for his heroic effort. Because you see, my brothers and sisters, not only did he jump into the drainage ditch, not only did he go into harm's way in order to save another, but Ray Blankenship didn't know how to swim. Yet he still responded. You see, my brothers and sisters, I tell you that story because it is the story of the life of the disciple. Because the story of the life of the disciple Jesus summarizes today in the gospel. If you wish to come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now let us remember where this gospel is positioned. If you remember last week, Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi, and all the crowds were pushing upon him because of the great miracles that he was working. And if you remember, he asked that very important question, and as I said last week, is one of the most fundamental questions in our lives. He asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And what does St. Peter respond? You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus commends St. Peter. 
And in commending him, says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And he gives Peter the keys to the kingdom. And then we pick up in today's gospel, where Jesus explains what it means to be the Messiah. Did you hear how the gospel began? The Messiah must suffer greatly by the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. He will be killed. And on the third day, he will rise. Now, this plan did not sound like any fun to St. Peter. Peter was not on board. And we can see it in the gospel. Because St. Peter looks at Jesus and says, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And how does Jesus respond? Get behind me, Satan. Peter went from being the rock to being Satan. Why would Jesus use those words? Well, go back in the gospel, my friends, to after Jesus was baptized by his cousin St. John in the River Jordan. And he goes for those 40 days and 40 nights into the desert where he is tempted by Satan to turn the rocks or the stones into bread, to jump off the pinnacle of the temple, to be caught by the angels, to bow down to worship Satan and all the kingdoms will be given to him. What was the temptation? The temptation was to pull Jesus away from his mission and ministry given to him by the Father. The temptation was for him not to be the Messiah, the Christ, the suffering servant. And that's what Peter was doing. Forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. <coughs> Pulling Jesus away from his true ministry. <clears throat> because after that, Jesus summarizes for all of us, his disciples and everyone here, what it means to be a follower. Probably one of the most hardest verses in Scripture. If you wish to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross, and you must follow me. My brothers and sisters, we are reminded in the first instance that it is not easy to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus never said it was going to be easy in the gospel, and certainly it is not easy, because it is a daily walk of denial of our own selves and our own wants and picking up our cross and following him. Because you see, my brothers and sisters, too often today, we only look for the comfortable lifestyle. There was a book written many years ago called The Comfortable Pew, where it speaks about individuals who only seek comfort and consolation, but are not really willing to do the hard work. I was reading an article about a medical doctor. His name is Dr. Hilfiker. Dr. Hilfiker has been a doctor for over 50 years. And for that entire time period, he has worked as a doctor in a clinic in an inner city. He has worked with the poor and the marginalized, and he's done that for his entire medical career. And so often Dr. Hilfiker goes to the medical schools to speak to the students who are about to graduate from medical school. And oftentimes he was commenting in this article about the things he hears. Because he says that oftentimes the medical students think of him as a quote-unquote saint. Because he's done all this work with the poor and indigent. And so often he gets the question like, 
What does your wife and your children have to say about your work in the inner city? And he often responds that his wife is very supportive. In fact, she works in the clinic as well because this is where God has called them to be. And his children have learned so much working in that environment. And then he remarks, he often gets the question from the medical students, Dr. Hilfiker, you have done a wonderful job, but you can't expect any of us to give up the salary of a medical doctor to do what you do. And he says, that's the problem with society today. Because you see, my brothers and sisters, he goes on to say that when he became a doctor 50 years ago, the primary mission of being a medical doctor was to care for people, to care for those who were sick, whether they were poor or rich or anywhere in between. But now the mindset is not about caring for individuals, but what is my salary going to be? And certainly, my brothers and sisters, that doesn't just apply to those in the medical profession. And I often tell people there are so many unhappy people because they don't respond to God's call in their life. They only respond to whatever my career, vocation, that's going to give me the biggest salary. And they're miserable. You see, my brothers and sisters, it's not about the comfortable lifestyle. It's not about what is going to be the biggest salary or the biggest dividend or the biggest investment. The call of God is always going to mean sacrifice, and it's always going to be difficult. But if we respond, then and only then will it bring joy. How do we respond? How do we deny ourselves? How do we take up our cross? How do we follow Jesus? Well, the first thing we need to remember, my brothers and sisters, is this. The world does not revolve around and it doesn't revolve around me. And that's so very important. Because that is the culture in which we live. My wants, my needs, my gratifications, and I want them now. But when we have that mentality, my friends, then we place ourselves as the center and not our God. You may have heard the comparison, the story. A lot of people today like these extreme sports. I'm not very athletic, so I'm lucky I can dribble a basketball. But people like extreme sports. You know, motorcycles flipping around, climbing up uh, mountains, you know, going down ski slopes, ski slopes very fastly, all these extreme sports. And certainly one of the extreme sports or one of the extreme accomplishments for a mountain climber is to climb Mount Everest. They all want to do it if they're really into it. And they tell of this story that happened in the course of two weeks, two stories that occurred two weeks apart. One was a gentleman who was with a team of hikers going up the mountain. And on his way up Mount Everest, he couldn't make it anymore. He fell to the side. And you know what his teammates did? They left him there. They didn't do anything to help. Why? Because they were so focused on getting up that mountain that that other man's life didn't matter to them. It was all about their goal and their wants. Until finally, somebody did pass by and render aid and took the man down the mountain to safety. Two weeks before this incident, there was another gentleman 
who was going up the mountain as well, he too fell to the side, couldn't make it anymore. There were 40 mountain climbers that passed him by, that didn't stop to offer aid. One of the 40 radioed to another mountain climber who was down the mountain and said that, what should be done? And you know what the response was? Well, he is virtually dead, so you might as well finish your task. So he wasn't actually dead, but he was virtually dead. Almost dead. So just worry about what you want to do and your desires, and don't worry about him. You see, my brothers and sisters, to be a disciple means that the world does not revolve around us. Because when it does, we don't see the call of God in our life. And the second thing that we remember is this. The priority for the disciple to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, to follow Jesus, the priority has to be God and God's kingdom. It has to be God and God's kingdom and God's people. And you hear me say that all over and over again, that there is a difference between being a follower of Jesus and a fan of Jesus. Because it's easy to be a fan of Jesus until the rubber meets the road and we have to deny ourselves, we have to pick up our cross, then and only then do we know if we're a follower. Because if we're a fan, we're going the other way because it's too difficult. They were interviewing a gentleman in one of the shelters in Texas. He was interviewed and he said that he lost his home to about six or seven feet of water. He lost his vehicles, his automobiles. He lost all his earthly possessions. He was a small business owner. He lost his small business. And the reporter said to him, well, what are you going to do? What do you still have? And he looked with a smile, and he said, I may have lost all of those things, but I still have my God, and I still have my faith. My brothers and sisters, that's a disciple. That's a follower of Jesus. He lost everything material in the world. But he had his eyes fixed on what was most important. The priority of God, God's kingdom, and God's people. And so, my dear friends, for all of us, as we hear that very difficult verse in Scripture, if you wish to come after me, to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and you must follow my dear friends, let us ask the Lord for the grace this day not to be just a fan of Jesus, but to truly be a follower so that we can, make, we can ensure that our God, the Lord's kingdom, the Lord's people are a priority in our lives.